0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy people And stand Lord on the place of your rest you and the ark of your greatness and may your Saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance give us more from your spirit fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance we thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand Almighty God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May be blessed. Please be seated. Greetings to you, the dear, beloved Church of God. God is enraptured by His Church. He rejoices in His Church. He dwells in His Church. He tells us that we are special, taken into His portion. This is His territory, taken into His portion so that He can declare His perfection. The format of my testimony will once again be founded on the instruction of our Apostle, Apostle Arkadi. And this word is one that we hear and that we dwell in as disciples. And that which I say is first and foremost going to be meant for me and directed at me. If a disciple stops being one who studies or learns, he cannot be able to comprehend. He stops being a part of the church. Because a disciple is one who always dwells in the word of the instructor, of the teacher, in the word of his teacher. I will read Luke chapter 24, verses 44 and 45. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. If God does not open our understanding or does not allow us to see those blessings that are contained in His Word, we will not be able to understand them or comprehend them. And nothing will be able to lead us, nothing else will be able to lead us to understand what is contained in the Word of God. He uncovers this only to His disciples and only on the territory of the Church. We began to look at, or we remembered, certain instructions based on the place of Scripture, Revelation 2, verses 26-28, or He overcomes and keeps my works until the end. To Him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as they also have received from my Father, and I will give Him the morning star. I will remind you that we looked at two words. This is him who overcomes, he who overcomes and he who keeps my works until the end. He who over, he overcomes means that we will be met with certain enemies that we must overcome or that we must defeat. And he who keeps my words and works until the end. This we looked at what are the works of God and what we need to do to keep it until the end. This talks about the completion and the perfection of our God. The essence of every work of God is so that we can distinguish the voice of the messenger of God and the dignity of his apostles from the voice of false false apostles. And we looked at John chapter 6 verses 27 through 29. And they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent and the purpose of my testimony or the main topic of my testimony was to see how we can affirm that covenant which has been given to us by god the covenant of peace how we are able to affirm it in our heart because it is that which belongs to the church as a promise the promise of the end days so that it is able to affirm so that the church is able to affirm her covenant with god we looked at the fact that uh, the phrase will be firm in his covenant means he will ratify his covenant between himself and us in order to make his covenant between himself and us legally lawful and unchangeable. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her her vineyards from there from that place her vineyards in the valley of Achor as a door of hope she shall sing there as in the days of her youth as in the day when she came up from the land of egypt if god does not affirm his covenant with us in the format of his word though we see how god affirms his covenant in his word where magnified in the temple of our heart, above all His names. He will not have any basis to adopt our body through the redemption of Christ, which will be for us a morning star testifying in our hearts of the guarantee of rapturing in meeting the Lord in the air. O so God, if He does not strengthen or does not affirm His covenant in the temple of our heart through His word, This is where He magnifies His Word. Not just the written Word, not just the heard Word, but that Word that we have accepted and engraved it, and as we hear oftentimes, we engraved it on the tablets of our heart. This Word He is going to fulfill, not any other Word. This means that if a person just simply received the Word on the level of his understanding or his own mind, or as we heard an example of how the seed that was found in a bag it could lay there for thousands of years, but it's not going to bring any fruit, it won't bring any fruit. I know a lot, but if this word doesn't end up in the good soil that is cleansed of dead works of my heart, then it will, won't bring fruit. But when it, it does find a place there in the good soil of the heart, it's written that it will die and the power of resurrection will come. We know that in this seed is this life, this DNA, and then, all of a sudden, through the death of this seed, it comes to, it grows and comes into, to, comes to fruit. From seed, it, go, it grows into a tree upon which is fruit. God has promised to cooperate with us only in the boundaries of His spoken word that has been magnified by Him in the temple of our body. We remembered what a covenant was, that it's an oath, A union or agreement in the format of a will to the unsearchable inheritance of Christ so it's the teaching of Christ consisting of the sworn promises of God in heaven in the sanctuary and in the contrite and humble heart of man trembling at the word that proceeds from the mouth of God in the mouths of his messengers God makes His covenant only with a person that has been born of God. And we talked about how this is birth from water, birth from Spirit, and birth to the throne. This is a person that is capable of accepting the seed. God makes a covenant with a person in the death of the Lord Jesus in the three functions of baptisms. Water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism in fire. We talked about how the covenant that God makes between Himself and us contains three functions. This is the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of rest. And all of this is one, one birth, one baptism, one covenant, and one will that uncovers itself in three functions. This is the good will, acceptable will, and perfect will. Yes, it has three functions, but it is one. Furthermore, we looked at what requirements are necessary for us to fulfill in order to ratify this covenant, to make it legally binding and unchanging. According to the definitions of Scripture, every promise, including the promises of a covenant of peace, is affirmed not in the seed, but in the fruit of righteousness. Not in the seed is it affirmed, but in the fruit. Meaning, if we only have the seed, we will not be able to ratify this covenant. It's necessary for this seed to grow into fruit, and only the fruit or the format of the fruit we have the right and opportunity to ratify to affirm for ourselves second corinthians chapter 1 verses 20 for all the promises of god in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of god through us Now he who establishes us with you in christ and has anointed us is god who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee this is how God places us, this is how He places His Church. and gives us the opportunity to stand between both of these mountains or between these two names, yes and amen. How? Through our obedience to the preached word from the position of a disciple, from the dignity of a disciple. Only saints that pay a price for their discipleship expressed in taking up their cross can have the virtue of a disciple. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. We know this place of scripture. Now we'll read it one more time so that we can see how there is a high price that is contained in this. Though so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all All that he has cannot be my disciple. Here we don't just have, I'm a disciple today and tomorrow I am not. Today I have prepared, I have put on my uniform. Today I am going to listen. No, this isn't some kind of temporary position. This is a continual position. This is the state of a person. And not just some kind of time that is we divide to God. This is our continual, continual dwelling in the teaching. So we talked about how this is expressed in. This is expressed by Pastor in six steps. In fact, these six steps are always present. As I said, and once again, we'll repeat that this is a state. First step: it is necessary to know our Father first Peter 5 6 and be humbled under the mighty hand of God this mighty hand of God that is always over us here in the church or at work or at home it is always over us second this is the voluntary and desired decision to accept the words of our father as we read son my son if you accept my words if you agree with them if you accept them as a seed Not in the bag, but in the heart, in the soil, in the soil that is ready to accept it. The third step is to apply our energy to keep the word of our Father. My son, if you keep my commandments, that place of scripture we talked about, how this is tied to great, great efforts on our end so that we can resist every information. That comes from the outside. That comes from the old man. That we can resist this information. Today, information fills the whole, the whole, the whole world. Everywhere, it, information. There are all kinds of false teachings, all kinds of information, all kinds of different fears. It's coming from everywhere, and we need to keep this word in us. Because the word, first and foremost, is the information that is expressed in God's faith. And our faith is called to collaborate with this information. We are called to accept it and to keep it. Fourth is to incline our heart to reflect on the words of our Father as we read. Your ear you will make attentive to my wisdom. What kind of wisdom? The wisdom that the Father expressed. Don't go out and search the internet, don't go out and search somewhere else, but incline your heart, humble your heart to the wisdom that we receive from the Father. And you will incline your heart to pondering upon the words of your Father. Why do people look everywhere else? Why do we look in different kinds of books anywhere else except here? Because they don't have a Father. And this is unfortunate, and they think that they are going to be saved, but they will not. There will come a time and they will see how they have uh, masses of information, but in this information there is no life. The fifth step is to call on the revolutions of the words of our Father. We talked about how this means to desire and to long for the fulfillment of the words of our Father. To call the inexistent as existent from that which we have heard. And the sixth step is to call out to the understanding of our Father. If you cry out to the understanding, if you search for Him as silver and search for Him as a prized possession, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find knowledge of God. And you will find knowledge of God. Only then you will be able to have knowledge of who God even is. We talked about how a disciple a disciple uses lots of efforts and energy and this kind of silver that is necessary for us to bring out, to find It's also tie- it's also tied to great energy, not easily but with great efforts. In practice, for us this means that we must take these words, take these labors of our pastor, begin to once again reread them, to memorize them, to take them to our prayer services, to look into them. Until what time? Until they become our prayer. Until they become our state. Until they bring that power of life in us. The offering of the fruit of righteousness is our initial calling that serves as affirming evidence that we have loved the coming of the Lord, that we may be raptured to meet with Him in the clouds. If there is no fruit, let a person not even think about rapture. Fruit, if the fruit is there, this means that it can be affirmed, then this covenant and be affirmed, and to look upon the promise of the morning star. Having a fruit of this origin, the soul of God will not disdain us, because the fruit of righteousness offered by us will be comprised of the fact that in the congregation of his chosen remnant, this fruit will make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Then God will be able to eat of this fruit. But before this, this is unpleasant to Him. It is unpleasant that those things that do not have perfection are unpleasant to Him. Only that which has a perfect image in the fruit, the fruit of righteousness, it is this that God likes you might say, I don't have fruit. Well, we have the Word. and this Word, we are able to grow into fruit. This means we need to apply certain energy and efforts to do this. In Scripture, the time in which God will from His covenant with us will occur in the dimension of one week in which our terrestrial bodies, Thanks to the promise that we have accepted and grown, the adoption of our body, the redemption of Christ, will be transformed from a terrestrial to a celestial state. I am going to cite that which Pastor, Pastor Arkady has written in his labors, so that we are able to look at the end times. In Scripture, this week in the dimension of time is called the door of our hope, during which God returns to us our lost vineyards the Valley of Acor, and our youth in the format of an imperishable body which we carried in our heart, in the subject of the faith of God. Daniel 9.27 Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. The week is a period of time attaining seven years, at the beginning of which our earthly bodies, through the fruit of righteousness offered by us in the dignity of Methuselah, and we know that Methuselah is him who banishes death, will be transformed by the Holy Spirit into heavenly bodies. And we are standing very close to this time. In the middle of this week, we will be caught up in meeting with the Lord in the clouds, which will enable the Antichrist, the man of sin and the son of destruction, to come to power within the borders of the former Roman Empire, which is now represented by the countries of the European Union. At the end of this week, the category of people who have been prepared to be raptured to meet the Lord in the clouds will return to the thousand-year Kingdom with Christ. And then, the final, predetermined death will overtake the Devastator in the face of the Beast and the False Prophet who brought him to power. So, the False Prophet, and uh, both of them will be thrown into the Lake of Fire burning with fire and brimstone. And for a thousand years, these two wicked characters in this eerie and eternal place of torment, they will be the only characters in this eerie and eternal place. And after the thousand-year reign, Christ with his people, a dragon will join them in the face of the fallen cherub and all his angels, as well as all those who did not believe in the truth and loved unrighteousness. Revelation nineteen twenty through 21 Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. For me this is trem- trembling. When I read and see what God is going to do in His Church. And the fact that He is going to be enraptured by His Church. Apostle Paul, writing about the affirmation of a covenant between us and God, ties this also to the week of Daniel, which he formulates with these words, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4-9. through 9. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, because in whom you are enriched in everything by Him, in all utterance and all knowledge. In all utterance and all knowledge. Here occurred, here we see the seed and the fruit. For the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm to you the end. We once again are met with this formula, He will confirm or affirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Apostle Peter also affirms the same thought, Five, ten 10, 11. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This short-term suffering is, is tied to the growth of the fruit in us. Furthermore, we will talk about this in greater detail. The fruit of righteousness, in which God affirms a covenant with us, is also highlighted well in one of the images in which King David was established as a king. Second Samuel chapter five, verses nine through twelve. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. And what did David do? David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Affirmation of David as king over Israel figuratively comprised of the fact that God clothed his body into the new man. To affirm is to clothe into the new man. And again, we are talking about the fact that God is going to fulfill this on the basis of the affirmed covenant that we have affirmed in our heart. God clothes David's body into the new man whose image was presented by cedar trees. The king of Tyr, who stands at the head of the Phoenician government in our nature is the Holy Spirit in the dignity of a master who stands at the head of our new man yielded by our wise heart. And therefore, the messengers of the king of Tyr for a person with a wise heart are the revelations about the righteousness of God placed by the Holy Spirit into the mouths of the messengers of God. We again are met with that theocracy, we again are met with the fact that there is certain submission. What is a wise heart? A wise heart is a heart that is prepared to accept the word, the seed of the word about the kingdom of God. In the King of Tyr, the Holy Spirit, who sends these promises, gives power and authority to these promises. The carpenters and masons of the King of Tyr, who directly work with the material of righteousness yielded by the cedar trees and the marble stones laid in the foundation of the house of David, are the members of our body presented to God as instruments of righteousness. If we know one persona, which is David, which had seen the affirmation of his kingdom. And Saul, who was his predecessor, did not understand and violated the time given to him by God for his affirmation as king over Israel. He did not try to grow the fruit of righteousness from the seed of righteousness given to him. Yes, there was a seed, but it was in a bag. Yes, there was a seed, but it did not end up in the good soil. Yes, a person came to church. If I come to church and if I forget, if I don't keep, if I don't observe these words, then nothing will come of it. If I listen to the word so that I may immediately fulfill it, that I may immediately place it in my heart, that it will be able of producing division between the spirit and soul there will be a certain things happening in my essence in the sphere of the old man this will occur and here will be the power of resurrection and this word will lift me up and place me over my old man first Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the, work of the, the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Someone who does not submit and who resists the words that he hears from this place, this person ought to tremble. Because his disobedience is the same thing as witchcraft and sorcery. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. He he heard the word, he didn't fulfill it. He says, I don't like this word, I accept this word, I don't accept that word, I like that word, I don't like that word. He likes or dislikes, but I am here, not because I have wanted this, but because I am found in the order of God, because pastor had wished for this. Pastor places Daniel, pastor places other preachers. For what? So that We can be enriched by this word and to not resist it. As soon as resistance comes, in a person there is destruction and corruption. Why then come to church if we don't listen? We understand that we are found, I am found, in a position in which we are devoid. I have a lack. I need wisdom. I listen to this wisdom through Pastor, through Pastor Arkadi, for me. And I am then filled. God gives me word. God gives me the material so that I am able to affirm, affirm that power of life that is in me. Our kingdom is our body under the condition that we have grown it into a house of prayer in which the word of God is the means and weapon for the achievement of the goal set for us by God comprised of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. And once again, this place of scripture... Uh, we will read but i will remind you of certain components of it hosea chapter 2 verses 14 through 15. therefore behold i will allure her will bring her into the wilderness and be comfort to her in scripture the wilderness in its positive sense is an image of sanctification in which we forget our nation the house of our father and the corrupt lusts of our uncrucified soul that we can be prepared to affirm a covenant with God. To affirm a covenant, we need a wilderness. And God leads us there. If we don't go after Him and we are not brought with Him into the wilderness, we will have nothing to affirm. A wilderness is the place where a person could turn upon himself the favor of God and His mercy. Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 10 through 12. Therefore I made them go out of the land of Egypt, and brought them into the wilderness, and I gave them my statutes, and showed them my judgments, which, if a man does, he shall live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths, to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. There, God gives to us His laws. There, God gives His Sabbaths. This wilderness is the format of our prayer. It is our state of prayer. God said, Pray in this way. How do you pray? Close your door. Here it is. Sanctification, a closed door, the wilderness. And God, who in secret, I think I have... The essence of this was He, in secret, sees to us and reveals it to us. The wilderness is that where we go out in order to worship Him, in order to know Him, in order to see Him, to know Him. But a person doesn't want to go into the wilderness, he thinks, oh, well, the wilderness is this and that, there's a price that needs to pay, there's something that we need to be separated from. The wilderness is first first and foremost, not just Sahara, the desert and so forth, this is that place where there is no other people, there is no, nothing else, there is no one else besides God. And in this state, God leading us gives us the opportunity to know His Word, to be united with Him, with His Word, so that He can gain fruit. Can we gain fruit without the wilderness? No. And we do it any other way no if you want fruit go into the wilderness if you want fruit go into the secret room if you want fruit go to god who is in secret and he seeing the secret that which you have already accepted in your heart will then give it to you The wilderness is a place of the collaboration of our life with the life of God and the demonstration of our humility and our faithfulness to God's faithfulness. Luke chapter 22, verses 28 through 30. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. To protect our dedication, the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ from being defiled by the desires and thoughts of the flesh, it is necessary for us to build up the power of life which reveals itself in our spirit in the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven. For the power of life is the kingdom of heaven. And for this it is necessary for us to place a watchman at the gates of our lips, in the fruit of our lips, in the dignity of young sons. Psalms 127, verses 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. When, just like justification to life and condemnation to death, is found where in the fruit of our lips, which are the gates of our essence. And these sons have a name. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. It is these nine sons that define the state and atmosphere of a wilderness in our heart, with which our dedication is cleansed and kept for the adoption of our body through the Redemption of Christ, in which God could speak to our heart that in this dedication we could be given our vineyards in the Valley of Acor. What do we do so that we can affirm or to ratify a covenant with God? We need correct proclamations, correct fruit. Is it possible to bring this fruit without the wilderness? No. Is it possible to bring it without our dedication? No. Therefore, once again, therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. In this prophecy, the promise that relates to the door of our hope is comprised of three components is that the return we will be returned our formerly lost vineyards we will have the return of the ecor valley and the return of the youth to come up from the land of egypt and to fulfill these components we need to focus on the initial phrase that god uses which we have already looked at previously meaning i will bring her to into the wilderness i will bring her And then, from this wilderness, in which our heart becomes capable of hearing the voice of God, we will be given the right to inherit this promise. A person wants everything upside down. He wants everything right now, um, at this moment, without a price to be paid. This is the initial desire of a person, the desire of the flesh to receive everything all at once, a lot of it, and all of it free. But this doesn't exist. There is no such law. There is a price that must be paid for everything. And each thing has its own price. And the price of the power of life is in the fact that we will die and undergo contrition of the power of death. Once again, wilderness points to the state of the heart in which God will receive the basis to fulfill His promised word to adopt our body with the redemption of Christ. 1 Kings 17, verses 1-6 And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward, and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I will once again remind you that which that which happens or rather what work what price occurs in the in the wilderness in the face in this moment of elijah jordan is an image of death in which we have been immersed in the death of the lord jesus to affirm our separation from our nation the house of our father and our carnal life under the image of the terror brook from which Elijah drank, having been found in isolation from other prophets, we should note that his sanctification in the death of the Lord Jesus until this brook was dried up. And we know that it doesn't dry up itself. This brook is necessary to cause to dry up, to drink of it. This brook must be drawn out by us. The water from it must be drawn out. When each time we call upon the death of the Lord Jesus in our lives. Paul, that's what Paul, Apostle Paul said, I always carry the death of the Lord Jesus. He's a disciple. He is he, he is one who always carried the death of the Lord Jesus. And this is not just some kind of phrase Of the religious world or christians this is his price this is the payment of this price in this he died to his nation his household and to his corrupt desires how considering the inexistent as existent this is a price and this price was contained in the fact that he did not look at his feelings he did not look at that which was happening all around at that which was happening in the world at that which was happening towards him. He didn't look at any of this. He looked at the reward. He looked upon the face of God. The verb to allure is to interest, to enrapture with the use of one's strength, to enrapture with one's love, with one's beauty, abilities. It is the inheritance and incorruptible riches to... In rapture with one's purity and his faithfulness toward his unchanging word. Let us once again, now I will once again read this in order to see this, in prayer, in relation to our prayer with God, to allure. There are very few who are allured or interested by prayer. Everyone wants to be raptured, everyone wants to have the morning star, but there is very few of those who pray, very few. And a person finds every reason to depart or to find justification for himself to not pray. I'm not talking about prayer services, I'm talking about prayer in general. There is a multitude of reasons that people try to find. Prayer. Which God takes. He looks upon it with his beauty, his delight. To lure God with our prayer is to enrapture him. Inheritance of His incorruptible riches and his faithfulness toward His unchanging word. On one end, the flesh resists this allurement because they can't use these riches, and it is dead to these kind of earthly riches. When you are found in true prayer and communication with God, the flesh receives nothing from this. Only then it could receive it as a promise. But in the given moment, this communication is our spirit with God. What are our feelings needed here? I've noticed this, that I pray for a certain time, and I notice that it's not interesting, it's dry, there's nothing I'm getting from it. How do I continue to talk with God? There is some kind of dryness, and God taught me to not look upon this. Why do I pay attention to that which is happening in my flesh in the very moment that I'm talking to God? as soon as i look at my flesh in it i will see death as soon as i look upon the word of god in prayer i see life there and in prayer i am able to affirm this power of life on the other hand the flesh resists this kind of allurement because the price for this is to put to death the members of our body. Of course, there is death to the flesh in this. That's why she hates it. That's why it hates it. Colossians 3, 5-6. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. After fellowship or communication with God in prayer, yours and... My earthly members that we have listed, they are found in fear and horror, and they are abound in the face of the old man. They can no longer make themselves know. If we leave out of this state, if we have gone out and then all of a sudden we then begin to yell at our spouse our neighbor then this means that we have not truly known God and we're not in communication with him this means that we need to learn how to communicate with God in prayer this means that we need the wilderness it is in the wilderness to which God allures us and which yields the image of the discipline of sanctification that we will receive the foundation and power to take off the old man to renew ourselves with the spirit of our mind and be clothed in the new man This kind of allurement into the wilderness is a single opportunity. Maybe there's one other opportunity? No, this is a single opportunity to the cross of the Lord Jesus to reject our nation, the house of our Father and the corrupt desires of our soul. There is no way to avoid it. We've left out of Egypt, we go straight into sanctification, into the wilderness. Can we go straight into the promised land without the wilderness? No, there is only this one way. Thus, we can cleanse our conscience from dead works. And this process is tied to great trials in which we'll be subject to attack from our flesh and other carnal Christians. And we will be faced with mockery. Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. Lord, you induced me and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Take a look at what happens. This is the battle in the wilderness. We have fellowship with God and here we have resistance from devil. As soon as we take these words which we hear from our Apostle Arkady and when we place them into our heart and when we begin to be immersed or to place them into the good soil, we will see this resistance in the face of the old man first and foremost. Immediately we will see his teeth. And this is good. Because only in this way God will be able to deliver us from this power of death. But the Lord is with me. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, but they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous and see the mind and heart. Let me see your vengeance on them, for I have pleaded my cause before you. The process of sanctification that turns our heart into a state of wilderness is the time when God tests our heart and weighs us on the scales of His justice, that He could simultaneously give us victory over our enemy in order to adopt our body with the redemption of Christ. Let's take a look at four methods which Pastor had presented to us. The first method necessary to enable for the affirmation of a covenant between us and God is comprised of considering ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus and through the proclamation of the inexistent power of life in our body as though it is existent. Romans chapter 6 verse 11 Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. To consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God is, in our thoughts, to isolate ourselves from sin, living in our body in the face of the old man with his works. We already, in our thoughts, isolate ourselves from sin. We call the inexistent as existent. And this is considering ourselves dead to sin. This is to see ourselves dead to sin. This is to live according to the fact that we have, according to what we have heard and our observance in it. In other words, a person does not consider himself dead to sin. This means that he loves it. And if he loves it, this means that he is not sanctified. And if he is not sanctified, how is he able to be raptured? How will God change or how will God affirm his power of life if he doesn't see himself this way? He doesn't see himself with the eyes of God, but we are called to see ourselves with the eyes of God according to Scripture, to see, to ponder upon in such a way, to act in such a way. And this begins from our thoughts. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. How do we resist these strong desires of the flesh with our thoughts? We need to ponder upon what is heavenly, to think about that which is spiritual. We need to tend to our sheep and lead them to the mountain of God. The word of God which we place in our heart in the format of thoughts is the faith of God in our heart. And when we proclaim these thoughts with our lips in the format of the faith of God, God affirms his covenant with us on the foundation of which lies the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. Romans chapter 4 verse 17 God made Abraham, who is the father of us all, he says, I have made your father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is that which we endure every single day. Satan is going to paint his own images, portraits for us. He's going to fill them with some kind of information. And we are called to put them to death. Saying, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will ponder upon the Lord. I will think about those things which are heavenly. I have the power of life in the face of these words, these preached words of God, which I am able to affirm in myself. Let's look at the second method. It is comprised of us being filled with love toward one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12-13 through 13. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, that He may establish your hearts, that He may establish a your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. Amen. Through service of love toward one another, according to the requirements of God's statutes, we isolate ourselves from selfishness in our essence, which gives God the basis to cleanse us from all sin and affirm our hearts as spotless and hallow before God. 1 John 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He in the light, God walks in the light of His Word. We are called to walk in the light of His Word. The light must be the boundaries, the boundary of our limits. We walk, we have a certain territory, but the boundary is the Word, the written Word. And when we walk, when we become just as God, who has placed Himself as a servant over of His Word, meaning He does not do anything outside of the boundaries of His Word. He has submit, submitted Himself to His Word. As soon as He released these words, spoke them, as soon as He said the words, let there be. And we are called to also walk in that same light, in those same boundaries of this light through the proclamation of our lips. We are called to walk in these boundaries. And when if we walk as God walks, then we have fellowship with one another. But before this, But until then, this is not communication. Before this, this is not that communication which God said in the body. There is fellowship fellowship in the body, and all the members are submissive to one head. There is a certain kind of order that is present. But if these boundaries of the word are not present, then this is not fellowship with one another. Then this is a life. Life is in the church of God, in fellowship with one another, to cherish the Word. And then it says that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. In this manner, when we walk in the light of the Word of God, like God walks in the light of His words, we give God the basis to lead us into the inheritance of the adoption of our body through His redemption. Let's look at the third method that is necessary to enable for For the affirmation of a covenant between us and God, it is comprised of us looking at the fig tree with the eyes of faith and on all the trees when they awaken from the slumber of death after winter. Luke 21, verses 29 through 36. Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. God focuses our attention when he says, Look. This means that this must bring us to a special kind of state of attentiveness. What God wants to show us, he says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see this and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with caressing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. Under the image of the fig tree that yields sweet fruit must be viewed the category of the wise virgins in whose hearts reigned grace through their matured fruit of righteousness that presents the oil of gladness in the vessel of their hearts. The wise virgins have a vessel. They have oil in this vessel and they represent the fig tree. To look means to also look into there's a certain price that is present here that we can follow it. The pastor has told us imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We are called to look upon those people those people from whom the word comes who have this oil in their vessel, that we also may be transformed into this image because that which we look upon we are transformed into. While the other trees must be viewed as the category of the foolish virgins who in the cry, the groom is coming, were awakened along with the wise virgins, though they also will go and will always go and pay that price, will also go and pay that price. There is also a fourth method that is necessary to enable for the affirmation a covenant between us and God. This is of us being delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 2-4 through four. That we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. To be separated from these wicked and unreasonable people, this is our sanctification. If we are friends with this bad company, and if we uphold some kind of tie to them, then we won't be able to affirm the covenant. And this disciplined isolation or sanctification from unreasonable and wicked people is the guarantee and method necessary for the affirmation of a covenant between us and God, the foundation of which lies the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. The return of our vineyards to us occurs when we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, die with the law to the law. We are going to look upon, now we're going to look at that, after the wilderness, what God returns to us. He returns to us the vineyards. He returns to us that which belongs to us as a right which we gained in the wilderness. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. This is the vineyard. To return to the Valley of Achor is to clothe us with the promise of the Pentecost feast, which consists in the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as Lord and Master of our life, that we can be led by the Holy Spirit in order to establish our Sonship. In this covenant of peace. And we remember that Achan had violated and the anger of the Lord had risen. And all of the Israelites had to bring him out into the Acor Valley and they had to stone him. And all that he had, all that he had that was his, and they burned it and they put Joshua 7, verses 24 to 26. Then Joshua, then all of Israel with them, took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire and fire. After they had stoned them with stones, and they raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day. Though so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. The Valley of at the door of our hope, is the promise of the clothing of our earthly body into the powers of the resurrection of Christ the valley of achor and the door of our hope must become a blessing for us whereas for israel the valley of achor was a certain memorial of god's redemption excuse me god's retribution because that is where achor tried to uh, try to encroach upon that which did not belong to him but we are called to at the door of our hope it is given back to us as an inheritance. It is given to us as a blessing. What did Achan take? He took the Babylonian garments, the wedge of gold. Joshua 7, 19, Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, make confession to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And they could answer Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing fifty shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. There it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Joshua and all Israel with him. Took Achan, the son of Zerah, and furthermore, that is that which we have read, that the Lord brings upon you trouble. The death of Acon in the subject of our soul,
1: in the subject
0: of the Babylonian garments and the golden we- and the golden shekels, carries a goal. So we are called to see. We are called to see this valley of Achor and the death of Achan in our essence, not just as a story, but to see how when the old man tries to encroach upon that which is holy unto God, there is death that happens. But we are called to undergo this death in us and to have a decree of death over the old man, so for us to be able to take that which belongs to us by right. All of this which was hallowed unto God belongs to us, when the old man is crucified. The Babylonian garment is an image of clothing our earthly body into the new man in which our body remaining earthly receives adoption. The silver the silver that was taken. Imagine an infant trying to go into the sanctuary. He says, I will go and be like everyone else. This is going to be death to him. When we go into the presence of God, when we go into the sanctuary, it is necessary for us to see this aching to see and condemn him, but also to gain that which already belongs to us by right in the fruit, the fruit of our righteousness. The dignity of silver and 200 shekels is the authority to enter to the sanctuary in the presence of the Lord In the dignity of our earthly body, freed from the authority of the law of sin and death, by acknowledging God's theocracy that is called to be for us, the shadow of the Most High in the secret place of the Almighty. We know that Absalom, when he cut his head every year, its weight was 200 shekels. This points to us an image and shows us an image that it's necessary for us to be under the shadow in the secret place of the Most High under the theocracy of God, under its protection under that love which God has placed in the church this is as we mentioned this is our special right and special privilege to be under the protection of God The golden wedge of fifty shekels is the image giving us the right to be clothed in the liberty of Christ and the powers of the Holy Spirit, endowing our earthly body, freed from the power of the law of sin and death, into the Sabbath of the Lord. Leviticus chapter 25 verse 9, Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land, and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. And to return to us our youth, lost in the first Adam, to return to us in the second Adam, or rather to Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, is to adopt our body through the redemption of Christ by clothing it into our new man, carrying in himself the power of the resurrection of Christ, this youth. Youth is comprised of us being clothed into the new man. This will occur soon, but this will not occur soon if we, right now, are not being clothed into the new man the proclamation of our lips. And when we are found in the state of waiting in this wilderness which God allures us to, in this prayer state in which we wait for him, the Lord coming, quickly and in these events he is going to glorify his name in the church this righteousness which we have accepted and keep in our hearts he is going to show it before this world and the whole world will tremble it will tremble from this when they see that which was hidden in the hearts of the righteous, that which was engraved on their tablets, when they see this fruit over which which they mocked, reproached, laughed at. They placed the righteous righteous man to nothing, but the time is coming when God will show the difference between those who will serve him and those who do not serve him. And we need not to worry that right now our name is being reproached. We are considered dead, but we are alive. Praise be to God, we are alive. We have the word, we have the power of life that we can trust in. We must thank God for this and praise Him for this. And on the basis of this, God will be given the opportunity to then clothe us into the new body. He will give us these vineyards. He will give us the Valley of Agar. He will give us our youth, return to us our youth and our bodies. My dear ones, let us pray before God and pray and being brought into a state of contrition before Him because only upon these will he look upon, upon him who is humble and contrite and who trembles before his word. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have special privilege and opportunity to hear your word, your living word, which produces your action in us, inside, separating the spirit from the soul. I thank you that you have placed me to your church. You have made me a living part a part of your living organism your pride, your church I thank you Father that you dwell in this church that you walk among the seven lamps that you are keeping this church safe, that you are blessing her with every word that comes from above I thank you, Father, for that promise that you have revealed to the church of the final days. Our bodies are going to be clothed in imperishability that no one will not be able to stop your action and your work. You have spoken your word and you will fulfill it. You are vigilant over your words that it may be fulfilled. I thank you for the privilege to consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. And may the power of death be destroyed in me, in my essence. May upon this place be the power of life, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I did not look upon my old man. I am not based on his desires. Less I look upon the one who has died and risen for me, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that this is that death, that aroma of the carcass that will be able to entice your angels upon rapture. I thank you that in this time, when the nations die in torment and fears and situations that seem impossible in illnesses we on the basis of your word have the privilege to open up our eyes to lift up our heads and to wait for your coming death no longer has authority over us over me death does not have authority on my territory Oh, my children
1: i thank you
0: father that you that you give strength to resist all kinds of enemies that rise up against me that you have become a shield between me and my enemies yes i hear their voice but They cannot draw close to me. Because my God is my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. God, my rock in whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my refuge. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. I incline my heart before you. Magnify your name together with your nation. Come soon, Lord Jesus. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Whoever hears, let him say, Come. We look on that day and we see that that it is drawing close and as I say no one will be able to withhold you from the fulfillment of your words and your promises. Neither political structures nor wicked nor sin nor my old man a triumph before your countenance declaring your works may your word be fulfilled Father our Father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debtors as debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever we will conclude our service with our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, our Savior through Jesus Christ, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.